we have been doing a examine of our spiritual lives uh, over the last several weeks. We're going to wrap this up next week. Um, but we've looked at different body parts to try to get a sense of what our spiritual life looks like. We started with the heart. Uh, what is our first love? What is our first love? Uh, we looked at our mind. Are we in the Word? Are we growing our mind? Are we studying? We looked at our ears. Who's speaking into your life? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Uh, we looked at our eyes. What's the vision that you have? Is it the Lord's vision for your life? Do you have a vision for your life? Uh, we looked at, at our mouth. Um, are you speaking words of life into other people? Isn't that kind of interesting? When we look at our ears, are we, are, what are we hearing? What are we listening to? What are we also speaking? Um, we looked at our hands. Are we doing the work of the kingdom with our hands? Uh, we looked at our funny bone. Is there joy in our life? Believe it or not, following Jesus is supposed to be joyful. Following God is supposed to be joyful. Um, we looked um, last week at our libido, which was kind of awkward, but it was good. Am I loved? Am I loved? Am I allowing God's love in me? And today we're going to look at the next part of our body, the back. Um, you know, the back is interesting, isn't it? Because... Um, we don't realize how important our back is until it doesn't work really well. Uh, last fall, out of the clear blue sky, and for the life of me, I can't tell you what I did. I don't know what I did. But I did something to my back. And it was bad. Um, it didn't bother me at first throughout the day. I can do my normal day in and day out activities. I could do everything that I, I was usually used to doing. But as soon as I got into bed, I had this tremendous back pain. This tremendous back pain. To the point where I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't find any way to be comfortable in bed to sleep. And this went on for probably three or four months. And so you, I, you think, well, during the day I'm fine. During the night, I'm not sleeping, which means during the day it's getting harder and harder. And every night, going to bed was, was, was a chore. And it was something I wasn't looking forward to anymore because of what was going on in my back. And, and this became the sole focus of everything in my life. How do I take care of my back? How do I get my back back to normal? And so I started popping every over-the-counter back pill that I could think of. And Cindy's like, well, maybe you should go see the doctor. I'm like, I don't, he's going to send me to physical therapy. I don't want to do physical therapy for the next six months of you know, whatever that is. And then Ben mentioned that he had a friend whose mother worked at a chiropractor. So I went to see the chiropractor, and he was a Christian guy. It was really cool. We had worship music going on in the background. We talked about Jesus as he went, lo and behold, four sessions later, and all the time, told me my hips were locked. I don't know what that means. How do I lock my hips? What did I do? And he goes, well, 53 years old, stuff like that happens like that. But man, as soon as my back went out, it just started to limit everything I could do. It would shut me down. And we don't think a lot about our backs until they don't work. Until we're in pain. Until we can't move or we can't bend or we can't pick things up or we can't. 
Today, we're going to focus on the thing we don't think a whole lot about, which is our back. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says this, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy, and My burden Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome You here. Lord Jesus, we welcome You. Father God, we welcome You. Lord, as we dig into Your Word, uh, Lord, just begin to speak to us. Allow us to hear clearly from You. Let Your Word this morning be transforming to our lives. Transform us. Thank You. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. We don't talk a lot about yokes these days, do we? Most of us might not even know what a yoke is. Um, a yoke is this big piece of wood that you put on top of an animal. On top of maybe you've seen uh, pictures of uh, the the um, the covered wagons of people going west. And they'd be pulled by a couple of oxen, and they'd have these big wooden things on them that were connected, uh, that connected the wagon to them, and that's how they would pull the wagon forward. That wooden thing is a yoke. It's designed to help pull things. It's designed to help an animal pull whatever. And and they were crafted. They were made by carpenters. It wasn't just something like a one size yoke fits all. They were crafted. They were customized to fit the animal that they were upon. Because the thing is, the better the yoke fit the animal, the easier it would be and more efficient it would be for the animal that was doing the work. It was a poorly designed yoke. If it was fit wrong, it would be difficult for the work to be done. And so the animal would get tired quicker and it wouldn't be efficient. So if you were using let's say, uh, a, a bull to, to help plow your field. And he was pulling the plow. If you ever saw pictures of this, of the, the early settlers. And it would be connected to a yoke and they'd be pulling this plow across the field. If that yoke didn't fit and the bull tired out, it would take you a lot longer. And you would be doing a lot more work trying to get that plow to move forward. And you know, what's interesting is it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities that a carpenter would, effect, would advertise the effectiveness of his yokes. Think about that. So Jesus is, is speaking as a carpenter's son to an audience where this makes a whole lot of sense. And, and the picture that Jesus is painting is, is that the burdens in life become easier to deal with with the yoke that, that, you, that He gives you. But here's the interesting thing. We hear this, and we don't fully get grasp it at times in our society. We don't realize that in life, we pick up yokes. We pick up a lot of yokes. A lot of different yokes. And the question that always hits us is we can choose which yoke we want to pick up. Do we want to pick up Jesus' yokes? 
Or do we want to pick up yokes from others? And there are other yokes that we pick up all the time. They tend to come from one to two places, and we, we really don't usually realize what we're doing. The first yoke that we pick up can come from others. It's, it's us taking other people's burdens on. Have you ever been in a situation where someone's going through a hard time, and you come and you empathize with them and you sympathize with them, and before you know it, you're carrying more of the weight of what's going on in their life than you are? When you come to try to help someone out and all of a sudden you're doing more work than they are, it's a yoke that you picked up. I don't like doing marriage counseling. I really don't. I'm not gifted at this in any way, shape, or form. I I know this to be true. It's one of my weaknesses. But as a pastor, every now and then I have to do marriage counseling. And and I'm I'm not the guy you want. Because I tend to cut like right to the chase. All right, I, I don't like to like dance around it a bit, you know. I tend to cut right to the chase sometimes, and it usually irritates people because they want me to be a little bit more nice. But when I start counseling, one of the things that I say up front is this: I say, if I have to do more work for your healing than you are willing to do. We're done. I'm coming alongside of you to, to help counsel you, to help mentor you to a place. But if I'm doing all the work and you're not willing to do any work on this, we're done. I had a couple come to me once for counseling. And, uh, and they kind of came to me in a way where you're the pastor, this is your responsibility, you have to do this. And we did about two or three sessions with them, and Cindy was with me for most of these, and these are probably the most frustrating sessions I've ever had in my life. You said, she said, you said, blah, 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 blah. And I got to a point finally where I looked at them, and I'm like, are you willing to do whatever it takes to save your marriage? This is the question that most people don't want. Are you doing whatever it will take to save your marriage? And one of the spouses looked at me and said, no, I'm not. I really don't care about this. I stood up and I said, well, then I guess we're done. And they looked at me like, what do you mean we're done? And I said, well, if you're not willing to do the work for it, if you're not willing to do what it takes, then what do you think I can do? We're just playing a game. We're done. We're done. I got called some names. It wasn't me. That's why I said I'm not... I'm not the guy. I'll do it. You're going to hear some hard truths. The problem is, is that we're really good at picking people's yokes up. The expectation for me was this, that I would do whatever it takes to save their marriage. I would do whatever I had to do to to create the environment for them. And that's what people tend to like. And all of a sudden we discover is we're picking up other people's yokes. And it becomes unhealthy for us as we move on. We pick up other people's anxieties, other people's fears, and we look at their lives, and when things aren't going well for them, we take it personally. Somehow it's an affront to us that we did it wrong. We can't save them. We're trying to save them, but we can't save them. And then what happens? Our lives begin to spiral. We take on the anxiety, the fear, the depression, all of that, Because we are trying to be Jesus. 
We can't do it. We can't do it. That's the first yoke we tend to pick up. Then there's another yoke we pick up. It's the yoke we put on ourselves. We tend to put unrealistic expectations on our own lives. Many, many years ago when I was a much younger man and we were living in Atlanta, I still was overweight because that's who I am. I wore husky jeans when I was a kid. I've always been a bigger kid. But I was overweight and I decided I had had enough and I was going to do something about it, right? And this was probably in late winter, early spring, and in the newspaper there was an announcement. Peachtree 500, this was the, or Peachtree 5K, this was the big 5K race for Atlanta. Big, big deal. And I decided, you know what? They had a thing in the newspaper, the, the training plan, from, from couch to running the Peachtree 5K, right? And I said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to run this Peachtree 5K. It was on July 4th, I had four months to do it, I could do this. And so I signed up, I sent my whatever entry fee into it, they sent me back my number, and I pulled out that thing out of the newspaper, you know, back in the old days, remember you would clip the article out, and I put it on the, on the thing, and it had the checkbox, everything that I had to do to prep. Well, it's designed for like normal people, alright? It's not designed for people who when they were kids, like blew out their knees, which, uh, that's me, I blew out one of my knees really badly. And so I started going down this path. And then something would come up. I would get sick and I would miss a couple of days. And so I'm the kind of guy where I, my boxes have to be checked. I don't know if you're like that, but they have to be checked. So I thought, well, I can do four days worth of work in one day, right? Right? I mean, I'll just, you know, just hunker it down and I'll get it done. And I did this for a while. And you know what happens when you do that, when you're out of shape, when you have bad knees? Your knees explode. And I couldn't walk. <laughs> My knee didn't work anymore. It was completely swollen up because I had overstressed it. I didn't end up running the 5K that year. I didn't end up running the 5K period because I blew out my knee again. Because I put this expectation on it that I had to do this. Now, goals are good. Don't get me wrong. Goals are good. We need to have goals. But sometimes we put such a high expectation on our life that when we have issue, that when we have problems with it, we feel we need to do something more. We need to like push beyond it. And it becomes this tremendous burden in our life that shuts us down. And then we do something more than we need to do. And before we know it, we're in a worse off shape than we were when we started. You catching the, the drift here? Other people's expectations? Bad expectations on yourself? And the beauty is these things crisscross all the time. Alright? They crisscross all the time. You put expectations of, you know, I should be do I should be handling the way I, you know, help these people better. And and you think, you know, okay, well, I don't know. Think about work. I'd love to say none of us took our work home. But that would be a lie. I'm not telling you not to do that. There are times. But when we find our whole identity from who, what we do and who we are, and our, all of our expectations are based on that, it gets to an unhealthy place. 
It's to a bad place. See, yokes are supposed to be a tool. They're supposed to help you accomplish something. But instead, they become something that enslaves you. Something that causes issues. There's an interesting story in Acts chapter 15. <coughs> Excuse me. Acts chapter 15. Um, the Gospel goes out amongst the nations and something weird happens. All of these uncircumcised Gentiles come to Jesus. They all get saved. And there's this big question that hits the church. Um, uh, for a thousand years, to be a follower of God meant that you needed to be circumcised. To be Jewish meant you needed to be circumcised. And up until this point, Christianity wasn't its own religion. It was a part of Judaism still. If you read uh, the story of Pentecost, it isn't the Gentiles who get saved at Pentecost. It's the Jews the, from around the world. The Dysphoria, who's now back in Jerusalem, and they get saved. So up until this point, it, it's, it's a Jewish religion. But then, the Holy Spirit starts pouring out on Gentiles. And it happens in weird ways. It's not that they just accept Jesus, but like the gifts of the Holy Spirit start pouring out of them. They start speaking in tongues. They start prophesying. Crazy things happen. They're getting baptized. So this question arises, what do we do? What do we do? To become a Christian, what needs to occur? What do you have to do as a Christian to become one? Do you need to be circumcised? Do you need to follow the Jewish law? What do we do? This is a crossroads for the church. And, and granted, we're 2,000 years past this story, and we don't think a whole lot of it now. But this was a moment. This was a moment for the early church. And so they gather together in Jerusalem. The council at Jerusalem, it probably says, the header of your Bible for this story. And they need to figure out where God is in this. What is the call? And so in verse 8, after debating back and forth, Peter gets up and says this. He says, God who knows the heart showed that He accepted them, the Gentiles, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as He did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for He purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through grace, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved. Just as they are. Peter gets up there and says, we have been trying to follow the law for a thousand years. We have been trying to follow the law to get closer to God, to get back into relationship with God for a thousand years. And it has been a burden. It has been a yoke that we have not been able to carry. But now Jesus has come. And Jesus uh, gave His life up on the cross for us. The Holy Spirit has come upon us. And we realize that it is through faith in Jesus, it is through His grace that we are able have relationship back with God again. That salvation comes through that grace, through whom we follow. And he's looking at the council and he's saying, why should we add an additional yoke? 
an additional burden onto them. Paul, in Galatians, brings up this exact same topic. Galatians is all about circumcision, guys. If you ever read Galatians, it's all about circumcision. This question of, do we need to be circumcised or not? And, and today, circumcision is not the answer. But there are other questions that rattle the church. What other yokes do we have to carry to follow Jesus? In certain Pentecostal streams, do we need to speak in tongues to be Christians or not? Do we need to dress certain ways? Do we need to act certain ways? Do we need to be a part of certain things? What, what does that all look like? And they all end up being yokes that we put on. And Paul says this in Galatians 5, verse 1, It is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened against the yoke of slavery. We are so quick to put other things upon us that add additional burdens to us as we try to follow Jesus. One of my favorite movies uh, of all time is The Christmas Story. Remember The Christmas Story with little Ralphie as he's running around? There's a wonderful scene in it where his mom, and, and I can relate to this because my mom did this to me, his mom's getting him ready for school and it's a cold winter Midwest day and she starts bundling him up. Okay? So boots and snow pants and jacket one and jacket two and jacket three. And he's, remember, he's walking, or it's actually Ralphie's little brother. He's walking to, to, to school like this because he's got so many layers of jackets on, he can't move anymore. I think at one point he falls down and he can't get up because he's, he's got so many layers of jackets on. Well, that's what we do in life. We keep on putting additional layers and layers and layers on. They, they, they seem to keep us warm. They seem to give us an identity and a purpose. But before we know it, we're trapped in all of this stuff. We can't move. They're burdens. And they enslave us after a while. Think about the things you take on as your identity. Your job. Your social status. Your relationship status. You ever notice that the things that divide the church the things that divide the, the, our society are always about identity. It's always about identity. What identity are you putting on yourself? They become burdensome. And Jesus is coming us to right now and He's inviting us to take those jackets off. They don't fit us. They don't define us. They're not our identity. They're just burdens that we shouldn't even be carrying. But here's the thing. He's not saying that we should be yokeless. He's not saying that we should be yokeless. He's not saying that we should be identity free. 
Instead, He's telling us to put on His yoke. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says this in verse 24. Whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for Me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, we usually look at this passage as a comment for when things are difficult in our lives. Right? Why are they difficult? Because we've got to carry our cross. Things are hard because we've got to carry our cross. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying something different. He's saying, deny yourself. Give up your rights. Give up your rights. The person who carried a cross had lost all of their rights. They were dead men. They were hopeless. And that's what we're called to bring to Jesus. It's not what we bring to Him. It's not what, what we bring to the relationship. It's not what we do. Instead, it's who He is. We're called to give up our rights to Him. And that's a hard thing for us as believers to do. Because we just believe that we have all of these rights. And if anything ever tramples one of our rights... We're Americans, aren't we? Think about the last two years that we've lived through. Think about what's ripped the church, the Western church, to shreds. Last two years as pastor, the hardest two years I've ever pastored. Because no matter what we did, no matter what we said, no matter how we acted, we were wrong. Masks, no masks. Vaccinations, no vaccinations. Meet, don't meet. Didn't matter. No matter what it was, we were wrong. And the reason we were wrong is because everyone wrapped up their identity in something. And as soon as we crossed that line, and it was so easy to cross, everybody was raw, that we wrapped ourselves in that identity piece. It was no longer about Jesus. It was about our right. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm picking on everybody here, right? It was our right to wear a mask. It was our right not to wear a mask. It was our right to be safe. It was our right to do whatever we wanted to do. What do you mean we're going online? We can't go online. You're denying the Gospel. But we're still... What do you mean we're not going online? Don't you care about people? But a mass exodus of pastors. Mass exodus because we couldn't fight the battle. And it all came down to identity. It all came down to rights. And what Jesus is saying is give up your rights and come follow me. But in the midst of that, there's a promise as well. It's not just like this, this threat. It's Verse 25. 
whoever loses their life for me will find it. We give up our life. We give up our rights. We give up our issues, our weaknesses, our guilt, our imperfections, our failures. We give that life up to Jesus. And Jesus gives us life. His life. Life everlasting. We give up the struggles. We give up the temptations. We give up all of that. We give up the arguments. We give up the, the things that divide us. We give them to Jesus and we take His life. In His life, what does Jesus say? I've come to give life and life to the fullest. So what does Jesus' yoke look like? It's really simple. It's a dependence upon Him instead of a dependence upon us. It's a trust in Him instead of a trust in me. We'll go back to the original story, or one of the original stories. I can't save any of you guys. There's nothing I can do to save you. I can give you counsel. I can mentor you. I can pray for you. I can coach you. I can pastor you. I can do all of that. But nothing I can do can save you. Nothing. There's only one who can save you. And that's Jesus. And so my job as a pastor is really simple. I'm supposed to point you to Him. None of us can save anybody in this room. None of us can save anybody around the world. We can't do it. We don't have the ability to do it. Those are yokes we pick up that we shouldn't be bearing. Our dependence isn't on us. It's on Him. And that can be a challenge for us because we're all burdened with the troubles of life. We're all burdened with the, the challenges that are in front of us. We're all burdened with all of that. And we feel the tension. We feel the weight. And there are moments that we just cannot breathe. There are moments where it feels like we cannot go forward. And in that moment, in that time, Jesus comes to us like He just did in Matthew 11. And He speaks to us. And He says, Come to Me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and lean on Me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast your cares, your worries, your burdens on Jesus. Put your trust in Him. Cast your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions upon Him. Our identity is supposed to be found in Him, not in ourselves. And when we do that, when we get to that place, when we cast it upon Him, He gives us life. My kids were little. Let's close with this. I think I've told this story before. When my kids were little, we were living down in Georgia, and I think it was just Emily... Nathan at this point. Cindy may have been pregnant with Ben. And uh, we decided one Easter-ish 
we were going to go on a family vacation. We drove up to Townsend, Tennessee, right outside the uh, Great Smoky Mountain National Park. And um, I've always been kind of the adventurer guy. I grabbed the map and looked for places that we could go, and I wanted to go see a waterfall along this far on the map. <coughs> and so Cindy, who at the time was probably two or three months pregnant, and we had Nathan in a backpack on my back, and Emily was running forward, headed down the trail. So we got part of the way down the trail, and Cindy, being three months pregnant, said, you know what, I'm done. I'm just going to sit here by this little creek. That was a stone she could sit on or a rock. She goes, you guys go, find the waterfall, come back. And so we walked down the path up and down the hills and the mountains, and we got to this place, and there's this waterfall. It's a little cool, the kids can get their feet wet, and it's pretty and beautiful, and we do all that. And it's time to go back. So we turn around, we start going back, and I got Nathan on my back in the backpack, and Emily looks at me and she goes, Daddy, I'm tired. Yeah, okay. She goes, I don't want to walk anymore. Carry me. So I got Nathan on my back and Emily Hop, I'm holding her on my front. And I walk the couple miles it is to get back. Cindy and Cindy sees us and I'm just kind of went back. I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted. But what do you do? It's your kids, right? That's what you do. Especially when they're little. Emily's probably three. Nathan was one or two. One. I'm exhausted. That's life, isn't it? You get to the place you think you're supposed to go to, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're carrying a lot more than you planned on carrying. You find yourself utterly exhausted. Utterly exhausted. And you ask yourself, how did I get here? Little talking head song. How did I get here? And for many of us, we just keep down that path. We just keep carrying that stuff, carrying those burdens, carrying those troubles, carrying those, all of those expectations. Expectations we've placed on ourselves, expectations other people have placed upon us. We just carry them. And some of those burdens we've been carrying for years, for decades. Some of us are carrying expectations that our parents put on us 40 years ago and we don't even realize it anymore. We're carrying expectations that bosses and friends put upon us and we don't even see it. We don't realize it, but they're there. We're carrying the expectations that we put on ourselves, that we had to be a certain way, had to act a certain way, had to have life a certain way. We've got to look a certain way. And all those expectations are put on us. And we've got stuff on our back. We've got stuff on our front. We can't move. We're exhausted. There comes a time in life where we lay those expectations down. We lay those burdens down. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean or learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is Sometimes we just need to go in front of the cross and lay all those things down. And that's the promise of the season that we're in right now as we move towards Easter. 
That's the promise. That what Jesus did on the cross for us takes all those burdens, takes all those expectations, takes all of those things from us. Our identity is no longer in those things, but in Him. Just lay your burden down. Let's stand and pray. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Lord, we've been on this journey of life. Lord, we know that as we've walked down this journey, we've picked up things. We've picked up yokes. We've picked up expectations. We've picked up things that we just can't carry. Lord, we're just exhausted. The Holy Spirit, come right now. Come into this place. Lord, we just ask for a spirit of, of relief, of rest, just to come right now. Lord, help us lay down those yokes, those burdens, those expectations, those identities that we've picked up along the way. Lord, help us lay those things down. Some of those, we don't even know that they're there, Lord. But Lord, just... Just identify them for us and help us lay them down. And help us find our identity. Help us put our trust in You. Come on. As we go into ministry time, there's two things that really have come to mind. First and foremost, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, be it in this room or be it online, if you're in a place where, where you know that you have been for years carrying those burdens and you just haven't, you haven't let Jesus into your life, you haven't invited Him into your life, Today's the day to do that. And it's not by anything you need to do, per se. It's not by any, any, um, any action, per se, on your part. It's not that you have to uh, improve yourself before you can come to Jesus, or you have to um, change yourself before you come to Jesus. That's the beauty. Is God so loved you that He gave His one and only Son for you as you are right now? The transformation doesn't come through the work that we do. The transformation in our love and our life comes through the work that Jesus does. And so it isn't about changing yourself before you can come to God. It's that God gave His Son to help you transform. So if that's where you are today, I just want to invite you. We're going to say a real quick prayer. Pray with us. And invite Jesus into your life. 
you just pray with me? Lord Jesus, I've tried to do this on my own. And Lord, I've come. I, I know I can. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me for the things that I have done that have been displeasing to You, that have separated me from God. Lord, come into my heart and allow me to follow after You. Lord, I exchange my life for Your life. Thank You. If you just prayed this, let us know. Put a comment down below or let us know somehow. And then there's the other side. There's a lot of us who have been following Jesus, but as we follow Jesus, Jesus, we've, we've just picked up things along the way. We've picked up identities of what it means to follow Jesus. or We've picked up other people's burdens, other people's pains, other people's expectations. And, and it feels like we're Ralphie's brother. We're running around in a jacket, in too many jackets. It just, just don't fit us anymore. They're binding. They're suffocating. They're exhausting. And so if that's where you are today, I just want to invite you, as we're wrapping up today, I'd like to invite you just to come forward. Just come forward. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to invite the Holy Spirit just to come and begin to break off some of those things. To give you peace. To give you As we wrap up, if that's where you're at, I just want to invite you to come. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your life. We thank You Lord, for Your yoke because it is easy. Break off all the junk that we carry. Lord, just give us rest. Let's pray this all in Jesus' name. Feel free to come up. Otherwise, may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever He may send you. May He guide you in the wilderness. May He protect you in the storm. May He bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that He has shown you. May He bring you home rejoicing once again. Have a great week. Good weekend. Thank you prayer. Otherwise, we'll see you all next week.